Welcome to the Health Design Podcast. I am your host, Moyes Jiwa. My guest today is Deborah Heiser, founder of The Mentor Project. Deborah Heiser, PhD, holds a degree in Applied Developmental Psychology with a specialty in redefining what being older looks and feels like. She's a TEDx speaker, adjunct professor, award-winning researcher, consultant, and coach. I began the interview with the question that I pose to most of our guests. What is your superpower? Oh, I think my superpower is, was given to me by my grandmother. My superpower is that I work with those who are 50 plus, and I have an ability, I really think, to be able to connect and to understand. And that's because when my grandmother was ill, we didn't know that you could treat depression in older adults or that you know, you could really do any kind of work that could help someone who was feeling angry and irritable. And when I found out that you could, changed my life, changed my career tra- trajectory and the field of interest. And I now, I now work with older adults. And I think that it's absolutely phenomenal. The, it was the Wild West when I started. It was a brand new field and it's changing for the better every year. So say a little bit about your background. How did you come to be working with uh, older adults with depression? Well, it started with uh, my grandmother. She was in an assisted living and she was the most vibrant, wonderful, lively woman uh, who read, who was interested. She had a ton of friends and all of a sudden she changed. And I said to someone who worked there, what's wrong with grandma? And I was young and I didn't understand. And she said, well, she's depressed. And I said, well, oh no, what do we do? She didn't want anything. And she said, we're going to fix her. She's going to be okay. And she was. She ended up talking to someone. She ended up getting her medications changed. And uh, her illness was evaluated. And in fact, she was back to herself. And to me, that was such an aha moment. It was an epiphany that someone could come back to where they were. That wasn't how she was going to have to be. And we didn't have to accept that as the new grandma. And so I decided to change my field from working with kids to going into research and went to school and got my doctorate in psychology, in applied developmental psychology. So I look at the whole age spectrum from a normal perspective. And that's really how I got into the field. And I have never looked back. So they say, at least the epidemiologists tell us, that the proportion of people who are going to be over the age of 65 in a country like Australia, and I guess it will be the same in the US, is going to be one in four. So one in four of us are going to be over the age of 65 by 2030 or you know, in the fairly near future. From your perspective, how does that play out in terms of the challenge to healthcare? It's a, it's a huge challenge, and there are new ways that we need to look at it. One of the ways that I, one of the things that I've noticed is that in the U.S. at least, I'm not sure how it is in Australia, but it, there was a big push for institutionalization to have everyone go to a nursing home and assisted living, and then there was a push to remove that and have everyone in their home. So now everyone's in their home, or the goal is to keep them in their home, but there's a lot of loneliness. There's a lot of issues that go with it. Just basic small things that interfere with life, such as 
inability to get groceries. It doesn't matter if you're in an urban area. What if you're in a walk-up apartment? There are also issues with keeping the house clean. Things that we take for granted every day as younger people are things that really affect older adults. So I now see people in their homes. I go out into the home with all of my clients and I'm able to see how they're living, but also they don't have to get themselves up and out if they're not feeling well or if they aren't as mobile as they'd like to be, if they're not comfortable driving anymore. So this is where I'm seeing some of the changes that we need to really look at it is how are people doing in their homes? How are they living outside of just their physical health when they present at a doctor's office? So that on the one hand, you've got people going to doctors with presumably chronic illness, depression, and such like. And on the other hand, you've got the social impact of these things, which are increasing isolation, loneliness, and therefore worsening mental health issues. Which is the role of healthcare and which is the role of society? I think they go hand in hand. Mm. I think that part of what I feel passionate about is educating society to let them know that, it, okay, yes, it's great to be able to be in your home, but do you have everything you need? Do you, are you able to maintain yourself and your home in the way that you would like to, in the way that you are as a young person who is able to go out and do everything? If it snows here where we are, can you get out? If you need to go get something or do something, are the bills manageable? Uh, on a fixed income, these sorts of things. And I think that at the point with healthcare, we are able to look at when a, when a person goes into a physician's office, they should be able to ask and say, how is this going? And how is life working for you at home? So if a person is at home and they're struggling to have healthy meals regularly, they aren't going to bring that up to the physician. That's something that would need to be asked. So I think that those are the ways that if we can optimize a person's life at home, great. But we also need to say for some, we may not, living at home may not be the best scenario. So in your view, what is the most problematic issue ahead and how can we improve the patient experience? I think that the most problematic issue facing us is simply education. Let, most people are afra afraid to talk about aging. I joke, and I, but it's a reality. If I go to a cocktail party and I say I'm an aging specialist, people's eyes glaze over and they're looking to escape the most boring person in the world. And I think that we need to stop being afraid to talk about or think about or even find that it's exciting to think about aging. And part of that is educating people to say, hey, aging isn't bad. We actually have a lot to look forward to. And that's something else that I am passionate about is showing what we can expect, which is actually an amazing future. But for those of us, there may be some who have an illness, who have some kind of a dip in the, in the roller coaster in our life. And it's a, it's a dip that's uh, maybe even temporary, but we need to be able to know what to expect and how we can address it. And we have a harder time doing that if we're not talking about it. So looking at it from the US perspective, I guess, what do you think is the most exciting thing on the horizon that you think will make a difference 
to outcomes for those, for, for those of us who are going to be older adults soon? Well, I, I just founded what's called the Mentor Project. And part of that was because I, I was writing a book on mentors. Most people feel, and uh, this was across the board, I would say, so what do you expect about aging? And even when I teach the classes that I teach, they say, oh, I expect frailty. I expect to have a cane. They all expect physical decline. And the, what I have noticed is that we're wasting our most precious natural resource, and it's us. So when a person becomes older, that person who invented the firewall for the computer or who invented the personal computer, they're still around. They're still here. And they want to give back, but they don't know how to do so without looking like a creepy person trying to give back to kids or to the next generation. So my goal is to bring people together who are experts in fields to teach kids for free. That's what they're looking to do. That's what the next generation wants. And I think that that helps people see that you're still cool and you still got a lot of knowledge when you're older. It sort of takes the fear away from the aging process when we see these really cool people who've changed our world come out to teach what they've done and, and, and bridge that gap. Is this happening already? Have you seen examples of it? Talk about that. So we um, have actually brought together on our board, we actually have Bill Cheswick, who was the inventor of the firewall. And we also have uh, Bob Cousins, who invented how he patented how we use credit cards on the internet. So every time you make a payment for something, wherever you are in the world, you can thank Bob. And every time you're safely doing something on the internet, you can thank Bill. We are also bringing on Lee Felsenstein, who was one of the founding people who invented the personal computer. It wasn't Steve Jobs, like most people think. And so we have Bill, he's already taught um, and presented to hundreds of kids already in schools. And they love him. They send him cards. They build him giant rockets out of candles. He's so inspiring. They want him back again and again and again. So we're in schools. Uh, we have Irene, who is an aerospace engineer. She worked on the mission to Mercury. She goes out and talks to kids. So we're letting kids know that it's you can be a girl and do do things. And that people who have gray hair still have a lot to offer. So yeah, we've been doing it. It's great. The kids love it. The mentors, they choke up when they, when they talk about it. It's so moving to them to see a kid getting inspired by exactly what they like to do. Mm. They're able to see the next generation accept that torch of knowledge. It's really powerful and moving. So this is really about getting older adults to engage with younger people to, to keep their youth almost. It's to keep not just their youth, but they're leaving their legacy. Mm. You know, we reach a certain age where we check all the boxes and say, okay, I raised my kids. I had a job. I did this. I had a career. Now what? And this is where I come in and end up working with a lot of people because they say, I'm, I'm retiring. I feel like I'm at the edge of a cliff. What do I do? And they have all this knowledge, but all of a sudden their power and their feeling of identity is taken away because they feel like 
no one is is hearing them anymore. They feel sort of invisible. So we're we're offering everyone to ha- to maintain their dignity, their sense of power, their sense of a legacy that they get to choose what it is that they want to pass on and to whom and how. So that is something that we all want to be able to do is to say, I left a mark on the world and this is the one that I want to leave. I want my whole life of skills and expertise and values and culture that I've honed to be given to the next generation or to junior colleague or even what we've noticed with tech is a term I, I coined called lateral mentorship, which is that if someone else is developing something, this happens in tech all the time. You roll your wheelie chair over to the person in the next cubicle and you say, hey, I'm a software engineer. You're a hardware engineer. I need you to help me solve this problem. And that's how the personal computer was invented and all the other things that we have going on in tech because one expert helped another. So it's not just the younger generation it's lateral generations as well who need expertise in different areas. You're painting a wonderful view of a world where we don't retire quite so early, or at least when we do retire, we give back, we, we leave a legacy. What would you like to see happen sooner rather than later on, this, on the road to this vision? Our goal with this vision is to get into as many schools and as many homes as possible around the world to get, um, and we do have mentors from different countries because we're so fortunate to be able to use Zoom and Skype. We can go anywhere. As long as there's a computer, we can have, kids can have access to any mentor anywhere. So our goal is that if we find a kid who's inspired and they don't live in Silicon Valley, but then maybe they live in a rural area, even Australia, they can get on the computer and they can reach out to one of our mentors and say, hey, I have a question. And they have now have access in a relationship with someone that they wouldn't have ever had before. So our goal is to bring mentorship around the world to everyone who wants to learn about anything in STEM. Okay. So my next question is going to be a little bit challenging because I'm going to ask you to make a choice. Which individual or group in the world do you feel is making the greatest contribution to improving outcomes for the people that you've described, older adults? Older adults themselves. I really believe that. I think that uh, they have been navigating and they are the ones who advocated for the changes. They are the ones who advocated to have more assisted living. It's our boomers and beyond who have said, I am not going to accept the lifestyle that has been presented to me. I want change. I want better health care. I want to I want to make my own decisions and I want to have dignity and grace. Mm-hmm. And they are the ones driving the train. I think I would heartily agree with you. And I wonder whether one of the factors in that is that those who are in their 50s and 60s and 70s are actually a good 10, if not 20 years younger in terms of their well-being because of all that healthcare has offered today. Absolutely. I'm in my 50s and I don't feel like I'm in my 50s. I have the energy and the desire and the drive to and the passion to make change. And I'm not alone. So I think that those who are in their 60s and 70s who I work with, who are mentors, they also still have the passion. They are not slowing down. So you are absolutely correct. We have a healthier bunch of people who are 
who's saying, I want to live healthy, I want to live longer, and I want to maintain the most optimal lifestyle I can for as long as possible. Okay, so what's the one piece of advice you would offer healthcare providers now, or designers for that matter in healthcare, whether they work in Baltimore, the US, or Brisbane, Australia? My advice would be to talk to your patients, not just about the symptoms and uh, physical health. We have a physical health trajectory, which has a rapid upswing in our peak hits. And then there's a decline that we all are aware of. What no one thinks about is the emotional and cognitive, the cognitive lines, which start at zero and keep going and nev- never decline unless obviously there's an, there's an issue there, but we can expect to be happier as we get older. And I think that as long as our healthcare professionals are addressing emotional and cognitive issues, as well as the physical ones, then we have a very bright future ahead. That was Deborah Heiser reminding us that older people have a great deal to contribute to the welfare of future generations by sharing their experience and that in doing so, they are leaving a legacy. The Journal of Health Design. Better health by design. Visit us at www.journalofhealthdesign.com.